Hey everyone, welcome to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. Thank you for taking another journey through the podcast airways with me. Today, it's a great day to be a podcast listener, especially if you're wanting to learn about Alabama trail running. <laughs> I learned a lot about Alabama trail running down there. I learned the landscape, where to go, uh, the elevation gains, what type of trails. And my next guest is bringing the heat with that. He's also talking to us about his journey uh, into trail running, how he got there. He hasn't been doing it very long, but he's already been doing a number of events just over a year and a half time frame. So it's great to hear his story, how he battles through or continues to battle through mental health issues uh, to get to that point. And running is his escape. And it's it's great to hear this these type of stories. I love it. This is why I do this. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm rambling on too much. Let's just get right into it. Welcome to The Trail Life, Caleb Sherrill. This episode of The Trail Life Podcast is brought to you by Polar Seltzer. Premium seltzer with just water, all natural fruit essences, and zillions of tiny bubbles. Polar Seltzer is naturally calorie-free with no sweeteners or sodium. Family made since 1882, and that's 140 years of making bubbles. Why be flat when you can sparkle? Looking for Polar near you? Go to PolarSeltzer.com or visit your local grocery store. Well, help me turn the turning. Well, help me get it right. You know, I was doing a, a little bit of research on Athens, so I was hoping you could hoping you could give me a little bit more of a geography lesson when it comes to Athens here. I guess for Alabama, maybe it's a it's a bigger city, but when you're looking at the grand scheme of things, it's actually kind of a tall, uh, small town, yeah? Yeah, man. So uh, Athens, we're located about 30 minutes from the Tennessee line. Um, the biggest two cities around us are probably Huntsville and Florence. Um, Huntsville, it, it, it's growing pretty pretty quick, and so is Limestone County, which is where Athens is located. There's a lot of, you know, manufacturing jobs and stuff like that coming in, but Huntsville is really big with, you know, missile defense, space and missile defense. We've got Redstone Arsenal here, and oh, then... We've got a, uh, you know, there's tons of military contractors in Huntsville. You know, we've got Boeing, Rocket Jet, and all the um, uh, dynamics and all that kind of stuff. So that's really big there. And then Florence is, it's kind of an older historic town. Right around there is where Wilson and Weaver Dam for TVA are the Tennessee Valley Authority, which are the ones that brought in hydroelectric power to the area and everything. And uh, there's a, they're, they're both kind of college towns. Huntsville has UAH, which is the University of Alabama in Huntsville. And then Florence has uh, University of North Alabama. But those are the two biggest places around. And Athens is kind of sandwiched in between where uh, it, it's a little town, you know, small county. You know, for a long time, there weren't many, you know, well-paying jobs around. But in the last couple of years, um, Toyota's moved in and a bunch of other car manufacturers and just manufacturing plants like that. So that's brought a lot of growth to the area. Okay. So very north edge of Alabama, right? So you guys are relatively close to Nashville too, right? Is that, am I, am I right yeah. in that geography? My house is about an hour and 15 minutes from Nashville. Okay. Got it. So when you, when we're talking about that area of Tennessee and Alabama, explain to me how close uh, like the like the Smoky Mountains are. Are you guys relatively close to them too? Semi. Um, Chattanooga is about two and a half hours away, and then the Gatlinburg area is about 
three and a half, four-ish, just okay. kind of depending on traffic through Knoxville and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a it, it's a day trip. Get to some some good trails, some good mountain trails, I guess, out there, and like you said, in a day trip. So yeah, and I guess that that brings my question. So from from your trail running perspective, like what where are you doing your a lot of your trail running and and are you having to travel to those day trips or you, or does Athens have a really good base of the trail system? So Athens doesn't really have much. We have a it, it, it's completely flat. It goes around Athens middle what used to be the high school. It's now the middle school, but um, there's a. I think it's like seven miles altogether that it's just like a little greenway type walking trail that's in Athens. We're really lucky that in Huntsville, most people even living in Huntsville don't know it, but um, we have Monsano, which is, it's pretty much the southernmost foothills of the Appalachian mountains. And so that's where I'm able to get a lot of my, you know, mountain training and real technical stuff in in the Huntsville area there's um Monsano there's Wade Mountain there's Blevins Gap and there's a couple other smaller ones that are all uh, compared to out west and that kind of stuff it, it, it it's more <laughs> of a hill than a mountain but um, <laughs> for, for us down here you know it there's a couple trails to where you can get you know a uh, a uh, thousand or more feet of elevation in over a mile two miles something like that so there's a couple areas that people do you know a lot of repeats on some of the guys there's, say, a couple, yeah. there's a couple uh guys from the area that have done moab as far as me you know i try to get most of my technical and elevation training done in huntsville on monsano or wade mountain or something like that kind of towards the west more back towards florence um there's Joe Wheeler State Park, which is uh, part of the Alabama State Park system, but they have, it's right around 10, I think altogether they have 13 miles of trail inside the park, but 10 of them are connecting. So you can do it, it it's kind of like a little out and back that turns into a loop where you circle back around and you end up back at your starting point, but it's mm-hmm. 10 miles and it's all river bluffs. So, you know, it, it's gorgeous. It's a mixture of hardwoods and pines. You're right on the riverbanks the entire time. Um, kind of circles around the golf course. But I'm able to get in, you know, 10 miles with around 700 feet of elevation gain, with most of them being four to six percent grade. So th- there's still some hills around that you can kind of, you can bust up. And then there are sections there that I'll do repeats on every now and then. But, you know, it it, uh, it, it gets the job done for around here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, so you got to do hill repeats. No big deal. <laughs> you know, you can climb a thousand feet here and there. You do it a few times. You're, you're good to go. You know, I, this is why I do the podcast is I have a, ch- a chance to speak to you know, runners and individuals like yourself that in areas that, that a, I have no, know nothing about, right. I've, I grew up in the Midwest and as most Midwest families do, we Peoria, Illinois area families do is we cruise down to Florida for vacation. So there's always a drive through, um, right. We're, we're cruising through Alabama. You cruise through Arkansas, you cruise through, uh, Tennessee on your way to Florida. And we never really stop to go anywhere. So I, it's, for me, it's, it's awesome to kind of hear a little bit more of the background of some of these areas and like what the trail systems look like and, and what's, you know, what's around, because it, I never really had a chance to do that when I was a kid and to have 
the opportunity here on the podcast. That's again, that's why I do. I get a chance to talk to some really cool people and some really cool locations. So uh, thank you for being my first Alabaman to uh, join the podcast, man. I appreciate that. (laughs) That's awesome, man. I appreciate it. And you know, that's the beautiful thing. It, It not only is it a beautiful area, but most of these are state parks around. So pretty much all of them have lodging and campgrounds there as well. So, you know, and pretty much everything I mentioned is located within an hour off Interstate 65, which cuts right through. It's one of the pretty much if you're going anywhere, anywhere from north down to Florida, you're going to hit 65 at some point. Yeah. So, you know, you're ever traveling through this way. Um, Joe Wheeler, Monsano, uh, Lake Gunnersville, Lake Martin, they all have, you know, beautiful trail systems. They have beautiful campgrounds, beautiful lodges. So, you know, check it out, you know, come, come stay in Alabama for a couple of days. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm going to have to get you onto the uh, Alabama <laughs> State uh, Visitors Bureau there. I put that comment. <laughs> you know, we got, we got connected through through social media because we both know uh, Hector and Justin True and and Mike McKnight and all those guys. And one of the things that really drew me to, like when I was first saw your your profile, is fat kid turned ultra distance runner, which. I'm sure you've heard this before. Like it's, it's quite an interesting tag to have for your social media. So I want to kind of tap into that a little bit. Growing up, were you an athlete and, and being overweight, did, how did that factor into where you're at now? Like where, where did the, all, where did everything start for you? So I was a baseball player growing up. Um, I never really ran any type of distance until it'll be a year tomorrow will be my first log miles on Strava. But um, I started playing baseball whenever I was four and I was always, you know, a little overweight growing up. And then once I hit about 14, 15, that's whenever I really started putting on the weight. You know, I I was a baseball player. So luckily with that, I didn't have to be too fast. I, I played third, first base and I pitched. So you know, most of that was footwork and stuff. So luckily I, even though I was a big dude, I I had pretty quick feet and hands. So, uh, and I could hit pretty well. So if you hit the ball far enough, you didn't have to run very fast. So that, that was kind of my, my saying that I lived by for a while. Sorry to any of my baseball fans or players that are listening, but you don't really necessarily need to be the most athletic ripped individual to play that sport. No, you don't. Yeah, all you have to do is be able to run 90 feet at a time, right? Or yep. whatever it is. <laughs> I was thinking, you, you get the hand-eye coordination. It, it's more of skill set than it is anything. You know, you get the hand-eye coordination and the fundamentals down, and you can build off that. And, you know, that there's a bunch of guys in the major leagues that, you know, that, that they're not exactly the uh, perfect picture of health, but they're they're out there, yeah. you know, make, making millions, go, going to work every day and still getting it done. <laughs> they're still athletes. I, I'll, I, I don't take away anything from that. I just say, yeah, when it comes to other professional sports, <laughs> baseball seems to be the fat guy sport. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you, you never were a runner when you're growing up. So what got you into, I guess, distance running or even just the endurance category itself? Mainly, um, I had always kind of gone to the gym on and off. Uh, and, you know, around 2019, 2020, I, I started hitting it pretty hard. But then, you know, the first round of COVID hit and I work in the hospital. I work in surgery. And um, whenever that first round of COVID kind of hit the U.S., the hospital 
wasn't exactly sure what to do with this because we had to cancel all elective cases and then eventually it went to all non-emergent surgeries. So it, they were kind of in a situation where they didn't know to pull us to floors to start helping now or, you know, furlough us to basically have us just on standby if, you know, normal floor employees started dropping with COVID then bring us in to kind of fill their place. So I ended up getting furloughed from work for about six weeks. And during that time, the um, gym I work out at, it, it's owned and ran by the hospital. So it closed down as well. So I went to Walmart, bought some kettlebells, and I just started doing kettlebell workouts and sprints in my backyard. And I, I started doing that for about a month. And one day I, I kind of figured it up and I realized I had done right around five miles worth of sprints that day. And I'd been seeing ads on Facebook and stuff for um, running lane events. They're the main running company here that puts on most of our smaller trail races. And they probably put on 40, 50 trail races a year. Oh, shit. Year round. So that they uh, they put on a lot. Shout out to Will Rogers. He's the guy that pretty much started it and is the head of it. He, he's done a great job. They brought in. Uh, not to get sidetracked, but they brought in, you know, the um, Division One NCAA regional championships to Huntsville. They brought in the um, high school cross country and track national championships. They do a great job. But I started seeing a lot of their ads for their summer series come up. And it basically their summer series, it, it, it's a 10K and then an eight mile, then a 10 mile, then a half marathon through three months just to kind of round out the summer. And it's a great introduction for new trail runners just because it's a distance buildup over time. And they do have a shorter series as well. But uh, I got to thinking, yeah, I was like, I did five miles worth of sprint. So I could probably, I, I think I could probably hang in one of these races for a little bit. So I, I decided that uh, I would sign up for a, a 10K trail race, um, which was in May of last year. That was my first race that I had ever done but basically i signed up for uh it was smoke rise trail run it was a 10k uh it, basically i signed up for it i i ran it and a, after that i was hooked that's i i love i love that i mean i think a lot of people actually got into more of the trail running uh, stuff through covid i mean that's what i saw here in in uh, the san diego area and colorado area is like can't can't really be in your gym you can't to run on the road yes road runners i'm sorry but to run on the road is a little bit more boring than to hit the trails and i think more and more people were able to get out on the trails and see what what the trail systems were all about in all their certain areas so it's really cool that that they were still offering up uh, events and opportunities for residents in your area to, to go and participate in. So that's, that's really cool. So what you go from the, from a 10 K option. Now you started to kind of get into more of the ultra stuff. Are you, are you, have you done your first ultra race or you've signed up for your first ultra race coming up? I ran my first 50 K new year's Eve of this past year. And which, which race was that? Um, it was recover from the holidays, 50 K it's one put on by the Huntsville track club. All right. And how did, how did, uh, how was your experience with the first, your first 50 K versus your first 10 K experience? What was, <laughs> <laughs> so my first 10 K, it was the beginning of May. It was probably the coolest day because it's Alabama, you know, it, it's been in the 50s past couple of days. I woke up, it was 29 whenever I woke up this morning. Now it's almost 50 outside today. So the, the weather is always crazy. You know, that first 10K, it was probably 50 degrees, just perfect temperature, perfect weather conditions. You know, it was a great day. Uh, 
race went great. I kind of, I got sidetracked and joined the uh, half marathon group for a while and ended up running an extra mile before I got back on course. But, you know, I still finished, I, I finished third or fourth in my age. I don't remember which, but, um, it, you know, it was a great one. And then fast forward to my first 50 K it's, uh, the end of December, it's about 60 degrees and it's been uh, thunderstorming for the last 48 hours pretty much it uh luckily it stopped raining right before the race but um recover from the holidays 50k is uh it's 10 3.1 mile loops around a cross-country course oh okay so it uh i I ran my first uh ultra marathon and uh with wet feet and and standing water and mud for six hours i mean if you're gonna do it just jump right into some really good conditions i guess (laughs) yeah man (laughs) you know you got to take care of those feet in those ultra races you might as well learn on your first first go around how to do that right yeah well hey i want to circle back around you know one of the things that uh we we both know justin true and and he's getting ready to do his true triathlon. So I'm trying to focus a little bit more on the mental health aspect of it uh, here over these next uh, few podcasts and stuff. And I, I know after listening to your story a little bit, I know that that's what kind of created the quote unquote, the fat kid uh, situation for you and how that kind of transitioned into where you are now. But I'm hoping you could share your story a little bit as far as how baseball, right? Being a baseball athlete, somehow you got to be this overweight kid, how that, how you transitioned out of that to, to get into the point that you're at now, like how did, how did that all kind of happen as you were growing up? Yeah, man. So, you know, mental health, it, it's something that's very important to me, but it, it comes a lot from personal experiences. You know, mental illness is something that's ran in my family for a while. Both my grandmothers were um, hospitalized at one point because of it. My parents have struggled with their own issues. And whenever I was 14 or 15, I was clinically diagnosed with um, depression and anxiety. But what really, I think those tendencies were always there, but I think the real trigger for all of my issues were whenever I was 14, my granddad, who is my absolute best friend, mentor and everything else, he, uh, he was involved in a car accident that he ended up losing his life from it. For a long time after that, I really blamed myself because I was supposed to be going to work with him that day and I overslept. So I, I wasn't with him, but as a 14 year old, you know, in my mind, it was always the thought of, you know, if I would have been with him, you know, maybe I could have stopped it somehow. Maybe I could have yelled at him and let him see what was in front of him. Maybe I could have, whatever. And, you know, now I realize that it, that happened for a reason. I wasn't with him for a reason. And that's what I've really been trying to figure out since then is what's my reason for still being here. Mm -hmm. But after that, um, I, I guess eating was kind of my coping mechanism with not knowing how to deal with that loss. Um, I kept most of my emotions bottled up inside, and I think I kind of just ate those emotions instead of talking to people or sharing like what I was going through. I would just eat and eat and eat. It, it, it's the same way with you know someone who were to you know, binge drink or, you know, take pills every day, smoke weed with nothing against, you know, I know it's legal in most places, but it, you know, uh, someone who uses uh, drugs or alcohol to cover up their true feelings, 
but uh, you know, for me that, that was food. And I think that's what led to me hitting almost 300 pounds at one point. Everybody's got their different COVID medicine. Food in that sense became your drug of choice, right? I mean, that's, yeah. uh, and that, it happens more times than you think like, yeah, you're not turning to the alcohol and the, and the actual narcotic aspect of it, but food becomes its own drug in its, in itself. So like what, what kind of started turning the corner for you as far as getting out of that uh, mentality or, or how long were, how long did you have to, you know, from, from age of 14, because 14 is, you know, you're just now starting high school. So you're going through some really, you know, critical years as far as being in that social situation and kind of learning on who you are, like, how, how are you affected now as, as you're 14 heading into high school and trying to figure out how does how does that all play out for you? So I was very lucky to not only have baseball, but I had a core group of friends that, you know, I've still uh, I've got my boys that it, we've been friends since about first grade. There's five of us that from first grade until this day, you know, whether it's weekly, every couple of weeks, whatever, we still communicate. We're still good friends. We still hang out. Uh, I was lucky to, you know, have them around to kind of helped me pull out of that dark place whenever I was younger. And, you know, baseball played a big factor with that, with, you know, keeping me active and not letting me think in my own head too much. But uh, I guess the, the big tipping point, catalyst change, whatever you want to call it, came in 2012 going into the senior year of high school. You know, I'm hitting that point to where uh, it's about to be my senior year. I have no clue what I want to do with my life. I have people asking from every angle, you know, what are your plans after you graduate? Uh, I'm in the middle of probably the most competitive year of baseball that I ever played. I know that can sound weird coming from a a 17-year-old's perspective, but, you know, we're we're playing 30-something games in a – three-month period to where everyone is basically there if they haven't signed they're being looked at by colleges we're going to play at colleges and all that stress builds up you know I've been holding all my emotions in for at this point pretty much the last two and a half three years you know there's only two or three people that really know how bad I've been struggling as far as whenever it came to, you know, dealing with the loss of my granddad and being able to deal with that grief and the overeating and everything. And it finally hits a point that summer to where I just, one night I decide that, I, you know, I'm tired of putting on this fake act every day. I'm tired of acting like I'm fine. Uh, I'm tired of being overweight and not having the mental capabilities to tell myself no and to stop it or to make that change. So I decide that I'm going to take a handful of pills and try to end it all. And, you know, uh, as crazy as it might sound, I think being almost 300 pounds at that time was my saving grace that I didn't actually OD. Somehow I woke up the next morning and from then till probably the next two weeks uh it didn't really set in what had happened you know my parents realized that the pain pills had went missing and you know i nothing against them because i don't think any parent ever wants to think it about their child but um 
I don't think they realized what was going on. I think they just thought that I was taking them to take them, whether it was just to get high or whatever. But uh, and, and to this day, that's still not. It, we've talked about it some at this point, but not in detail. But after that, I kind of just didn't think about it for a week or two. And then probably about two weeks later, it, it, it really hit me that, you know, man, I, I, I just tried to kill myself. It, it didn't work and I'm still here. So what am I going to do now? You know, at, at that point, I'm at that option to where, you know, do I try again? Do I use a different method that I know is going to work this time? Or do I make the even harder choice to confront my emotions and try to move through this and see what ty- what life has to offer for me? It's amazing to think that, I don't know, going back to like being as heavy as you were, like the drugs just couldn't absorb into the system. Right. So that's like, again, you're, you're, you're put here for some, for some reason. Right. And again, that was just another, excuse me, another example of you're here to, you're here for some reason. It's, it's amazing that it's amazing. It didn't happen one. uh, And you were able to kind of walk away from it. Like what are you at that point starting to get help with that? Like go, go and talk to therapy or is this like, you're still trying to figure this out and talk to only talking to friends and, and how does that kind of play into, again, as you now get done with college or done with high school and moving into college is, is your mindset still that in that same zone of, you know, where, what's my next path on this, on this journey. So it, whenever I was 16, my, my mom's a social worker. She has a degree in psychology. So, you know, she, she knew something was up with me. And around the time I was 16, you know, she brought up that to me. She was like, you know, she was like, I'm not going to make you, but would you be interested in going to grief counseling? So, uh, and at that time I was like, yeah. So I I went for probably three months and I just, I I would go, but I I wouldn't open up to the therapist at all. You know, I, I would just give them you know, uh, a, a bullshit answer to everything to where I, I just played it off and everything seemed fine. And after three or four months, I quit going. But after my suicide attempt, I, I went back to my mom and I was like, you know, I was like, I, I think I need to try to go back to therapy. So at that point, um, I started going back to therapy, seeing a counselor, seeing a psychologist and uh, I was put on antidepressants and I was on and off antidepressants for probably two, two and a half years. Um, I tried three or four different uh, kinds and they just, they all made me, I hated the way they made me feel. Uh, I was just zombified. I, I didn't feel anything. I wasn't happy, but I wasn't sad. You know, I, I felt no strong emotion towards anything. I just didn't care about anything. So after that, I decided to get off of them, and that was that was probably into my right around the it, into my freshman year of college, something like that. Pretty much after my suicide attempt, I, I decided that if I was going to try this whole life thing again, that uh, I, I ought to have some things to work for. So I decided that I want to try to play college baseball. And I ended up working really, really hard over the next 
six months to a year. And um, the February of my senior year, three, four months before graduation, I, I accepted an offer from Huntington College in Montgomery to go play. Uh, basically, they, they had a JV team, which is where they stuck the freshmen. Basically, they give you a year to improve. And then after that, you know, if you could make the actual team, you would. So I signed on to play on that. Um, and that's where I went after I graduated high school. And once I got there, I just uh, I wasn't happy. I don't know if it was being homesick, if it was being in a completely new environment with no friends around, not knowing a single person or what it was. But I decided to give up baseball and come back home and start um, working and going to local community college here after my first semester. And whenever I did that, basically, once I got back home, I decided that, you know, coming back to the same old thing wasn't going to help me any that, you know, um, even though, you know, I, I love my friends, you know, I, like I said, I've got the same group of friends for the past at, at this point to 25 years almost. I, I knew that if I stayed in this area that I, I wouldn't. I, I would never figure out why I was here. So I decided that I was going to enlist in the army and um, I ended up enlisting the Alabama national guard. And in order for me to go to basic training, uh, I was going to have to drop about 40 ish pounds before I could even <laughs> get there. Cause at this time I was still like right around two thirty or so. And I think the uh, weight cut off for my, I'm five ten. 5'11", something like that. So the weight cutoff for me is like 180, 185. So I had a pretty good bit of weight to uh, drop. And I, I think I was going to have to get right around the 200 in order to pass the uh, tape test, which is basically where they measure your neck, measure your waist, and then they have some formula that they stick it into to figure out your body fat percentage. So I started doing three days basically in the gym, trying to get the weight off. I would do 30-minute sauna sessions every single day um and, and you know i was able to drop about 25 to 30 pounds in a month and a half and so i was able to go to meps i was able to uh pass the tape test and get my papers to go to basic training and i went to fort benning in like october of 2014 something like that and uh between october and february uh, I think I got down to right around 155, 160 at basic training. I, I think due to dropping so much weight so quick, it was such a stressor on my body that I ended up developing stress fractures in both my lower legs. And I was basically given the option because I missed a lot of training. So I was basically given the option to either reclass and go back to day one start over try to make it through again or just sign the paperwork for an early separation and get out so at that point i just decided that i was gonna sign the paperwork get out go back home and try to figure out what i was gonna do with my life and that was probably once i hit you know uh, another hard point because i'm like everything i had planned it just went out the window so i'm back at square one trying to rebuild again how does that and this was what 2014 15 you said yeah around 2015 okay so you're you're still a ways away from hitting that you know finding 
out that running is kind of your 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 stress relief, right? Going back, to, are you going back to work? Are you trying to hit community college again? Like, what, what's what leads you from getting out of the National Guard to doing your first 10K? Like, where is that transition leading you into that? So, pretty much, um, I started, I went to work at the hospital that uh, I work out still now. Um, I'm in the middle of a career change. So, that uh, uh, my last day there will be towards the end of March, but, um, basically I went through probably a five year period of working out on and off, you know, just never really finding that inner peace. And then, you know, that led to working in the medical field and then being furloughed all the gyms closing. And pretty much that's what all started off. Once I hit that first 10 K you know, after that, I went home that night. I, I signed up for the summer series, which is, uh, you know, a, another 10K, an eight mile, a 10 mile, a half marathon. Um, I signed up for a 30K in Georgia. And then I signed up for a 50 miler in Tennessee that was supposed to be this past February. But uh, I, so I signed up for like <laughs> six or seven races all at one time. And I think from May, 2021 until December 31st, I ended up running 12 or 13 races with probably 11 of them being trail. Oh man. That's so just jumping right in. (laughs) Pretty (laughs) much. Talk talk about a, talk about finding a a stress reliever, right? Like you you found something that you really enjoyed and like, Oh my God, I'm, this is, this is it. This is what I'm going to, this is what I'm going to be doing. So that's, that's awesome to hear that. Now, what, what is, uh, your first 50 K. So what's your next race that you've got signed up for now? What, what's, what's on the docket next coming up next? Um, my girlfriend and I are doing a Spartan race in Atlanta at the end of March. Um, that day too, uh, I'm also doing it's for rods, which is racing for orphans with down syndrome. Um, it's an organization that I'm a runner for, but they're hosting a, uh, it, it's called rods heroes 5k. Um, it's on ultra sign up, but they're doing a in-person and virtual. The in-person is in Logan, Utah, but I'm doing the virtual option. It's a uh, 5k just to benefit the organization. You know, anybody can sign up, you can do it anywhere, but, um, uh, so I'm going to kind of tie that into my first Spartan race. Um, I'll have that that day. Then in April, I'm doing um, a three-day stage race here in Huntsville. It's 43 miles over three days on Monsano. So it's all it's all trail. May, uh, I'm doing the Cotton Row Classic 10K, which is one of the o- older races in the Southeast. Uh, last year, I think there was like 2,000 people in the 10k so wow. it, it's a Holy it's shit. a really it's a really big event wow. then uh june through august i'm doing the same uh summer series that i did last year my girlfriend's running her first she's done a couple trail races but th- this will be her first trail series so i, I i'm All gonna right. run those with her and see see how much i can best my times from last year <laughs> on those um Oh, that's cool. Then, uh, you know, going into September, I've kind of got a personal goal for myself. I'm going to attempt the Dismalls 50K on Monsano, which is it, it's eight repeats for 31 miles with around between 11 and 12,000 feet of elevation gain. Wow. And, and so that's ascent and descent because it's now, the is same. That, uh, is that a self, is that like a self-supported type of thing or is that an actual event? It, it'll be self-supported. Yeah. Okay. 
it wow. it's one that uh, a, a lot of the really badass trail runners from around the area that they've been attempting FKTs on it for a while, but uh, I, I'm just going to go out and see, <laughs> see if I can finish it or not. And then, um, come on, do some more repeats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, October, I'm running a trail marathon and then um, December through J Jan- or yeah, December, November through January, I'm doing the um, Huntsville Track Club Grand Slam, which is 350Ks and a road marathon all in a three month period. And, you know, you, uh, you finish that, you get a, like a pullover or a jacket embroidered by the Huntsville Track Club. So it, it, it's one of those, uh, local things that in, in my mind, I'm like, if you're a local ultra runner or want to want to be an ultra runner, yeah. that, that's something you should try. So <laughs> I, I'm going to throw my hat in for it this year and see if I can get it done. Nice, man. Well, let me, let me rewind just a second. Uh, we, we talked about rods and, you know, I've, uh, as you said, it's racing for orphans with down syndrome. How did, how did you get involved with them directly? Um, cause it's a great organization. You know, I've, I've had conversations with Hector and, and Mike about it. Um, and it's, it's amazing that, uh, they've got a team of athletes that are going out there and representing, you know, the kids out there all across the world, not just the United States, but how did you get involved uh, with rods pretty much i started seeing um because i've been following mike on instagram for a while so i started seeing you know his race pictures pop up of uh, uh brody who's his child that he sponsors but i started seeing this uh this little kid pop up in pictures on his hydration pack and started seeing him you know start posting more about rods so uh, one day i just got curious and so i kind of went to the link checked it out saw what it was all about and with my mom being a social worker all my life, you know, she taught the adoption classes in Limestone County for years. So adoption and foster care was something that I kind of grew up being around. So uh, immediately that kind of struck me as something that I, I was like, man, that, that, that's awesome. That That's a really cool organization. And then I saw Hector's stuff start popping up a couple months later. Um, it's uh, once he started doing triple crown of two hundreds, I started seeing, you know, picture of Brody pop up on his and everything. So, you know, I went and checked it out again, thought about it some, and then probably it was after I finished the summer series of races. So I was probably, I had finished my first five or six races and at that point I had signed up for another six. So I knew I had six or seven more upcoming races before the end of the year. So I just, I, I decided that, you know, it, that's an awesome organization. That's something that, you know, I think I, I, I would like to try to be a part of. And, you know, I, I know nobody around here, I, I haven't seen anyone, you know, doing this or really talk about it. So I'm like, maybe that's something that I can bring into the area, gain some notoriety for, you know, kind of show what Rods is doing and try to gain the organization a lot of notoriety as far as what they're trying to do and their mission and everything. And, I went online. Um, I applied to be an athlete. Two or three days later, I, I, I opened my phone and my jaw dropped because I had an email from Mike McKnight. And I'm like, holy, <laughs> I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we got to talking and, you know, a couple of days later, they uh, he, he agreed to bring me on as an athlete. And I think it, it was probably two weeks later, I, I ran um, – the 30k version of the blue ridge ultra in blue ridge georgia so that was my first race as an rods athlete uh, since then it's just been 
you know, trying to, you know, do fundraisers, raise awareness and just, you know, do whatever I can to play a, a small part in the big picture to, you know, help these kids. Scotty's my, uh, my child that, uh, I sponsor. He's a, he's a 12 or 13 year old from East Asia. So, you know, just it, the overall mission really struck with me. And I knew that was something I wanted to be a part of. Yeah. When the goat calls, uh, comes calling, you, you answer, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Well, uh, Caleb, dude, I, I really appreciate you sharing your, your story and your journey into trail running. It's, it's awesome that, that, uh, you took this up just over a year ago and now you're you've got signed up for 13 to 20 different races coming up over across the across the rest of the year so it's it's awesome to hear that and you know i the trail community is the best sports community there is i personally that's i'm a little bit biased maybe but uh i totally think it is and it's it's awesome to have people like yourself uh in this community and and supporting uh organizations like rods uh, along the way so thank you very much for joining me i really appreciate it today yeah man i appreciate it uh I, I i'm glad you had me on i was glad i was able to kind of talk about the north alabama trail running scene some and you know talk about rods and everything else and you know um always trying to bring awareness to what justin's trying to do you know um i became pretty good friends with him over the last couple months and he's just He's an amazing guy, and what he's trying to do and bring awareness for is, it, you know, it's awesome. Um, whenever he's coming through Mobile, going towards New Orleans, I think uh, I, I'm going to go try to hop on a bike with him and share some miles with him. So uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And, you know, his, his stuff is definitely something that anyone that hasn't checked it out yet, go check out Justin True and what he's got coming in May with the True Triathlon. Yeah, uh, truly amazing. And, and I, again, I because we're dealing so much with mental health, uh, you know, and in his scenario is it's such a pleasure for you to like share your story uh, with everything. And I hope it brings to light a little bit of more information for people. I think the more inform- you know, more that we get it out there, the more people understand it and can go and seek help out uh, for it as well. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. You know, that that's something that I kind of learned the hard way, but I, I strongly encourage anyone, whether you're struggling or, you know, just having a bad day, you know, don't be afraid to talk to a friend. Don't be afraid to, you know, seek out the therapy, you know, don't, don't be afraid of trying things that you're afraid of. Um, just don't, don't keep it bundled in. Don't be afraid to talk about it because whenever you talk about it, you'll realize that there are hundreds of thousands of people out there that might not be going through the exact same thing you are, but they, they can definitely relate. And, you know, it, it, it's always worth giving it another try. All right, that'll do it for another episode of the Trail Life Podcast. Special shout out to Caleb Sherrill for joining me today. Uh, I love learning about new locations and new places to run. Not that I'm really ever going to get a chance to go down to Alabama anytime soon, but in case I did, or in case anybody is near Alabama in the Athens, northern Alabama area, kind of have an idea of where to go run, what you're going to be looking at as far as trail running goes. Look up Caleb. I'm sure he'll go running with you. Uh, But, uh, you know, again, thank you for him for joining us and sharing his story. Uh, and talking about mental health, I mean, it is a big uh, conversation. It's and it should be an even bigger conversation than what we're having now. So uh, I appreciate him uh, sharing that side of it, and uh, I appreciate you guys listening in once again. 
Thank you, and we'll see you out on the trails real soon. This episode of the Trail Life Podcast is brought to you by Polar Seltzer. Premium seltzer with just water, all natural fruit essences, and zillions of tiny bubbles. Polar Seltzer is naturally calorie-free with no sweeteners or sodium. Family made since 1882, and that's 140 years of making bubbles. Why be flat when you can sparkle? Looking for Polar near you? Go to PolarSeltzer.com or visit your local grocery store. Music for the Trail Life Podcast was provided by the poor, dirty astronauts with lyrics written by Matt Meyer. Matt Meyer.